Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Harrison and I have talked about what reaching out and drawing in looks like. This morning, as we talk about creating a mosaic community, <clears throat> I want to touch on this mosaic word that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. I kind of half-jokingly a few weeks ago said mosaic really means multi-everything, and that's not far from the truth. The kind of community we want to create a mosaic community is the kind where we create space for people from different ethnic groups and socioeconomic and gender and generational groups, each to flourish, but also a community where we all come together as partners to form a more beautiful whole than any one part of the group could create on its own. Excuse me a moment. I'm going to be hopefully fighting this cough. If you hear my teeth clacking, I'm, I'm working on a cough drop while, we're, uh, while I'm preaching this morning. So I apologize for that. As we begin, <clears throat> in the midst of everything else, I'm wondering whether some of you are feeling pressure or stress. Maybe you're listening to the sermons in this series and you're thinking, wow, this is a lot of information for us to take in. Or wow, there's a lot of work to do. Maybe you're thinking, haven't we already been trying to reach out and draw in as a community? Haven't we already been trying to, uh, to be a good community? Why are Pastor Adrian and Pastor Harrison telling us to do things differently? Are we doing a bad job? So let's start with the one big elephant in the room before we open up God's word. Very simply, we're, we're not one diverse and unified family. We're not one big mosaic community. That's not a comment about any of your intents or actions or hopes. It's just a statement of what is. We are not the mosaic community that God is calling us to be. Or maybe we could say it better with lips of faith and say we are not yet the mosaic community that God is calling us to be. That's in part why God has given us this vision statement and why we worked on this for years for, for over a year, and we've had it now for two years, but why we're working on this together, because we believe as a church that God is calling us to go somewhere, and we are not there, not yet. As I prepared this sermon, it struck me that some of you would probably hear that as bad news, bad news that we're not the Mosaic community, at least not yet, that God is calling us to be. But it shouldn't be bad news. One of the first things that God always does when he calls us to follow him, to take another step or to take the next step, he always starts by giving us a healthy dose of reality. Excuse me again. God always starts by giving us a healthy dose of reality. How we didn't become a Mosaic community is in a nutshell, that one group of people sets the agenda for everyone else. In other words, we haven't found a way to partner together yet, not to be equal partners. The good news, of course, is that we've been working on this. Since Pastor Case started at, as River Park's transition pastor, our leadership council on down through our congregation, we've been begun to try and figure out better ways forward the ways of partnership. We know from other areas of life that it doesn't work to have one person 
in charge or one group in charge planning the whole uh, activities for one person for the whole group or one group, one smaller group for the whole, for the whole. Excuse me. Maybe some of you have had a family vacation where dad planned the whole family's activities after the family couldn't agree what to do. Sorry, dads. It wasn't a better plan, was it? A few months ago, I heard a small business coach who said the single biggest thing that small business owners fail at, the biggest mistake they make is that they try and control every aspect of their growing business and they don't let their employees become partners. They don't let the other people uh, become equal partners in the business. Likewise, and this is not what has happened, but as an example, likewise, a group of adults planning the best youth group activity ever, but with no input from young people, well, it's not going to work. And if these ways of making decisions don't work among genders or generations, it's far worse across socioeconomic groups or ethnic and cultural groups. When we make decisions by ourselves, we put up barriers for others to join and to belong. Why? Very simply, because even though we put our best efforts in as an individual or as a smaller group, we invest a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of energy. We even invite everybody to come. But if others don't have buy-in and investment, if they're not partners, how can they share the responsibility to keep things going? And so here we are, trying to begin to understand and implement a new vision statement and COVID has created the perfect storm that creates even more barriers to keep us from creating a mosaic community. In fact, things are so bad, things are so difficult that we really only have one hope. Jesus Christ. So let's hear what Jesus has to say to us this morning. I want to read for us Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, the first seven verses, and then we'll skip a few and continue on through verses 12 through 22. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you walked in the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time or another, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. In order that in the coming ages he, that is Christ, might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us. That is in Jesus Christ. And skipping forward a few verses. Remember that at that time, a former time, you were separate from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That was then. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been made or brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, Christ himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside his flesh, in his flesh, the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them, both, both of the groups, to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Only Jesus can break down the barriers that exist between generations. Only Jesus can break down the barriers between men and women. Only Jesus can break down the barriers that exist between socioeconomic groups. Only Jesus can break down the barriers between ethnic and cultural groups. I said to start the sermon, things are so bad, we only have one hope, we only have one chance. But thanks be to God that he has done it. He's doing it here at River Park. As Paul said, God, create, God came, Jesus came to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both to God through the cross, by which he put to death our hostility. Creating a mosaic community then is about nothing less than finding a new way to be human together. Finding a new way to be God's people. In a mosaic community, we don't say, this is the way it has to be done. We gather together. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And we say one simple word. How? If, Paul, if what Scripture says is true, if what Paul says is true, that in Christ we're being built together into one community, one dwelling, one family in which God lives by his spirit, then how can we build together? How can we partner together from the beginning? How can we be sure that everyone's voice is heard, that everyone is valued? The very specific answers to these questions and the answers are more complex and take a lot more time than we have this morning. The specific answers and the right way to do it also is something that I can't just tell you. 
It's something that needs to be experienced and shared and lived into together. But here's the joy of it, brothers and sisters. That walking together, finding the way forward while we experience life together, that's exactly what the Christian life is about. It's about fixing our eyes on Jesus as we walk forward together and try to find the best way how to love our Lord, how to love one another, how to reach out, draw in, and create community together. As your pastors, Harrison and I can help you understand and see God's calling as it relates to our vision. That's what these three sermons have been about and are about. We can also work together to help you as a congregation, help us as a congregation to see our blind spots and help you to see what you don't see and others who, who see and who can, who can fill in the gaps for you. So that together we form a bigger and a better picture of what God is calling us to do and who he's calling us to be. We can exhort you and call you to a new way forward, depending on each other and making room for others to join us in the mission that God has given us. And we can and we really, really want to partner with you to do this call, to do this work, this vision that God has given us. But all the specifics of how we do that are useless apart from God's love growing in your hearts. The good community that we already have and the new community that we're trying to build, it all is going to fall apart. There's an unless after the cough. It's all going to fall apart unless the love of God fills you so that you begin unconditionally to love and care for one another without consideration for yourself, without expectation of return, without asking why, without grumbling and complaining. Am I saying that you're not loving people? Absolutely not. Kaylee and I, in many ways, in our nine months here, have already experienced the deep love that God's people, that you have for us at River Park and that you have for one another. What I'm saying is that your love needs to be extended, to be grown, to be stretched. And I'm saying that only Christ in you can accomplish this task. Why am I putting it so strongly? Well, look at what we said about creating community in our vision statement. This is what we decided in the end of 2019, before I even was a figment of your imaginations. In, a deeper, in seeking a deeper relationship with God, we will be a place where people of different cultures, backgrounds, gifts, and abilities can find belonging and contribute to our life together and God's world. We said we value inclusion, diversity, authenticity. We value compassion, openness, and vulnerability. What a big task God has given us. The language of belonging and contribution is a beautiful, is beautiful language and it's beautiful partnership language. Partnership, like in marriage, is about two becoming one, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, which we read, or chapter 2, excuse me. 
Partnership isn't about one being enveloped into the other. It isn't about one uh, prescribing for the other or even about one inviting the other. When two become one, they become a whole new creation. They need to find a whole new way of living. Eagle-eyed readers of our weekly email will uh, know that I had er originally planned to preach on Galatians chapter 3. I changed it on you. But I had originally planned to preach on Galatians 3 because Galatians makes this point that the two and the two become one. They become a whole new creation. So let's read that together and just spend a minute on that. Paul says in Galatians that in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. So this is where we get this idea of talking about different socioeconomic, different gender, different uh, generational and different ethnic groups. Earlier in Galatians, Paul references generational groups, but Jew or Gentile, that's an ethnic difference. Slave or free, that's a socioeconomic difference. And male and female, that's a gender difference. But Paul is not erasing those differences. He's not saying that there's no difference between men and women, that there's no difference between slave or free, that there's no difference between um, Jew or Gentile. The difference to Paul's audience would be as obvious as it is to us. We know that some people have gray hair and some people we measure how tall they are in inches rather than in feet because they're so small. We know that we look different on the outside, that we have different skin colors, that we have different uh, customs, that we have different ways of seeing and interacting with the world. Paul is saying, don't let the power dynamics of our world that exist outside the church, affect the way you live your life together in Christ. If you default into the way of the world, you'll miss out on the joy of the kingdom. Imagine for a moment, we have to think back in history for this one, but imagine the moment or the joy of a slave and a slave owner embracing each other as partners and brothers in Christ, partners in God's kingdom work. Or maybe closer to home at River Park, imagine a rich person putting her power and her clout behind a motion that's made at an AGM by someone who's poor. Can you imagine a multicultural choir singing on this stage and the beautiful music and all different songs that represent different cultures. But then you find out after that not only have they put this concert together, but before that they sat down and they figured out beforehand not only how to blend their voices, but how to celebrate an aspect of each of their cultures throughout their rehearsal so that they grew to love and honor and know one another better before they sang. Can you imagine a set of grandparents who say, we don't want to sing the hymns in church. We only want to sing the songs our grandchildren like 
because we want them to feel like they belong in our services. I could go on and on and on to illustrate what I've said above. That the community we have and the community that we are trying to build, it's all going to fall apart unless the love of God in you outpaces with the love that we are able to manufacture on our own. Building a mosaic community is not something we can do on our own and not something we have done. From the beginning, God's vision for building his kingdom was a vision of diverse people united in one family by his love. Excuse me. This is scripture's revelation from the end. God's vision beginning to end is a vision of a diverse people united in one family. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Revelation chapter 7? People from every tribe and nation and language and tongue gathered around the throne. God hasn't created our differences just to be different. Instead, our differences are preserved through history and celebrated in eternity. What's more, God's greatest goal is relationship with his people. God wants community with all his diverse people for eternity. The learning, the stories, the joy will literally be endless. This is maybe going to not be interesting to those of you who are introverts. As a more extroverted person, I just imagine the joy of getting to spend eternity, getting to know literally every person that God created, redeemed, and sanctified. Imagine the joy of not just knowing the stories and getting to sit down for coffee with someone, but, but actually knowing them and experiencing them on a deeper level, getting to know who God made them to be, the ins and outs of their story, the ins and outs of who they know and love and who God made them to be. We could do that on and on and on. It would, it would take an eternity. And that's what we'll have in heaven, in the presence of God. What a joy we'll have to get to know and love not only our Lord and Savior, but all his people. When we get sidetracked, when we get worried about attendance, discouraged about our perceived failure or a struggle in a ministry, when we're frustrated because things are moving too slow or moving too fast, when we're offended because we're told things we already know, or we're overwhelmed because we're being told things we don't understand at all, remember, brothers and sisters, is God's, is the Father's joy. He is pleased to give you his kingdom. And it's God's intent that the church be a community joined together by his love for eternity. Our challenges will always come and go. In that way, COVID is nothing new. River Park, like all of God's people, all, of, all churches, has always had our struggles. But the community we're trying to create is a community that God intends to join with his, eternal, with his family for eternity. So our primary goals are reaching out and drawing in our creating mosaic community 
Our primary goals are not the things of this earth that will come and go. It's not buildings or programs. It's not attendance. Excuse me. Our first responsibility and our greatest joy as God's people is the person in front of us, the person beside us, the person on Zoom with us, the person who in a way totally different from me wonderfully images God and adds to the beautiful mosaic of God's family. I'll say it again. Our first responsibility, our greatest joy is to the member of God's household who is different from us, but in front of us, alongside us, even a member of their community who we don't see. In Christ Jesus, Paul says, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The supernatural love of Christ has been lavished on us. And it's our joy to share that love with each other. Not just in our own strength, but to extend it beyond what is comfortable and normal. By God's strength. It's because of Christ and only through the Holy Spirit, through God's power, that we are able to create a mosaic community. And yet God has given us exactly the vision statement that we need to step into the new chapter of ministry and life at River Park Church and a new chapter of ministry and life together with all the opportunities and challenges that await us, things we don't even know and haven't seen, to, haven't seen yet. Isn't God good to us? He's given us everything we need. He's given us the, the vision statement that even two years ago, when we put this together as a congregation, we couldn't imagine who one of our new pastors would be. We couldn't imagine that a pandemic was just around the corner, and yet God was already there, preparing this vision statement for us, preparing good paths for us that we might walk in them. But we can only do it by his power. And so as we close, I want to frame everything I've said in a different way. I hope a simpler way, and if nothing else, a shorter way. We're well past halfway through this. So here it is. A mosaic community is not something we can create. A community where, as we said in our vision statement, where people of, of different cultures, backgrounds, gifts, and abilities can find belonging and contribute to our life together in God's world, those might be our words, but it's God's idea from the beginning. Each of us used to be outside of that community. Each of us knows from personal and deeply painful experience what it is to be told that we don't belong because of our background. Each of us knows what it is to finally get the signal that our contributions really aren't valued because our culture or our gifts or our, or our abilities or inabilities are different from those of others. Each of us was brought into this faith and brought into this community of hope only through the self-sacrificing love of God. 
And God is now building us all together into one dwelling, one household, one family. A family in which God lives and a family that's powered by God's spirit. We've been talking a lot about the Apostle Paul this morning. And so to close, I want to point out something from Paul's life that I learned in my reading this week from someone in a collectivist culture. Our Western culture is an individualistic one. That means that people find our sense of self within ourselves. But in collectivist cultures, people find our sense of self within our community. There's more differences, but we'll stop it there. So this person, Jason Georges, he retells the story of Paul and Silas in jail in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. Probably many of you know the story. Maybe you heard it in uh, Sunday school even growing up. Paul and Silas are singing in jail. There's an earthquake. The cell doors break open and the chains break loose in the middle of the night. And the jailer wakes up. He sees the prison doors are open and he's about to kill himself. You see, the jailer realizes that he has not done his job as a jailer. And he's brought shame on his family because the prisoners have escaped He knows that he will almost certainly be killed. And so it would be better to kill himself. At this point, Jason says something profound. I could almost guarantee that I've read more commentaries than most of you. It's a hazard of the job. But I never read this in a commentary before this week. He says, Paul says these words, and these words save the jailer's life. We are all here. We're all here. There's no treatise. There's no argument about the value of human life. There's no guilty comment like, well, what will your family think when you're gone? What will they do? Just the simple shout of Paul and Silas's presence. We are here. Imagine the tears of relief that flow down the jailer's face. He gets his life back because the people of God are there. He gets his family back because the people of God are there. He gets his future back because the people of God are there. They honor him with the very presence of God because they are present. No wonder The jailer wanted to be part of their family. No wonder he and his children and his his whole household were baptized and filled with the joy and belief in God. The presence of the family of God brought him honor because God was there with him. And the spirit came and filled the whole household, the whole family that night. Because Paul and Silas were there. And they were willing to remain there as long as it took to become partners in God's kingdom with this man. All three pieces of our vision statement are really about our indirect effort. Reaching out, drawing in, creating mosaic community. These are not things that we do for their own sake, not even things we're doing for 
our own sake, for the sake of our church. They're invitations to join God in doing a new thing. As our world continues to change, God has already provided the way forward for us. The way of his kingdom. And Jesus says to you this morning, Do not be afraid, little flock. Your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. But God is not satisfied to give us only a part. He wants us to see the whole. He wants us to see him imaged differently in every person and celebrated deeply in every person and every group. He wants us to taste and see his goodness and his love and to experience the breadth and the width and the depth and the height of his family even now. So let's join God by partnering together in new ways this season. And let's begin in prayer. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for the strength and health to be able to be here. For me to share the message that you put on my heart for all of us. To be here in this place, to be gathered together on Zoom. To be challenged by your word. To fix our eyes on Jesus. God, it's uncomfortable for many of us to realize that Things are so bad that our only hope is you. But God, may that not be something that is a discomfort for us, but rather something that is of deep comfort for us. Help us continually to fix our eyes on you. When we build and what we build, may we build it, Lord, as partners together. May we build it knowing that you are the cornerstone that each of us and all of us is one important and indispensable part of that whole, valued and loved by you and imaging you in such diverse yet equally beautiful ways. God, give us grace and patience with one another and ourselves when we fall short. We celebrate that even though our desires are often imperfect, The desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And so we ask for your grace, for your peace, and for your continued leading this morning. As we worship, as in a few moments we celebrate our union together in the sacrament, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and again as we go out into this coming week. Hear our prayer, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.